Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. The Southwest State plays football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let the fucking play against them. And make us ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, you called it. You said last week that uh, you thought it would be a a 42-14 to game, and and you were spot on. You even said it would be close early, and we got a a close back-and-forth game with uh, Missouri early. And then uh, we stretched it out 21 unanswered to stake us to a 42 to 13 point lead. Uh, good call there, Nostradamus. Yeah, man. It's just a shame that it wasn't our team and it was another game and I could have had money on it. But uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, it was no money on the line because you and I have learned not to bet against Alabama, but definitely glad that uh, they put these guys away. You know, I got to be honest with you, man. Um, if it wasn't for three Hail Mary passes, which we can talk about when we flip the field to defense, they wouldn't even gotten 13 points. I mean, they manufactured 13 points on three Hail Mary passes, or uh, this would have been a shutout. Absolutely, and I do want to spend some time on that because I, I did uh, I have some interesting kind of numbers and, and thought perspectives on that. But uh, let's, uh, let's, let's break down uh, what we saw on offense, and uh, I'll kind of, steal, kind of steal the first item because I think we've got to lead with Blake Sims. And it's not just what he did in this game. This is sort of a, a, a crescendo, if you will. Uh, he started his starting career as a quarterback in the Georgia Dome. He comes back and sort of wraps up his regular season. We still have some games to play. We'll talk about that. But sort of the regular season, if you will, the SEC slate sort of bookends his season with performances there in the Georgia Dome. I thought he did very, very well. 23 of 27, 85%, uh, over 85% uh, completion percentage. I get that a lot of them were still short, but he did take uh, take some strikes down the field. He did take completing the pass to a receiver deep down the, the field in stride with a defender in his face, getting clobbered. We can talk about that. But uh, I think you just have to, uh, and and not just you, but me, and 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 sort of the the collective. We just have the tip of the tip of the hat to to Blake Sims. Uh, he has done nothing uh, all season, but but really prove us wrong. Where we were at the beginning of the season, we never could have envisioned Sims leading us in this way, and uh, it's been a remarkable journey with Blake Sims at the helm. No, absolutely, man. I I think that you know we we can acknowledge and. And everybody else that was on our boat with us can acknowledge that he has come along uh, a lot farther than we expected. You know, I, at the beginning of the season, felt like that, that we could win six games with, with our uh, defensive depth and just the, the guys that we run out there if Blake Sims won the job. And, and I was wrong on that, obviously. And I'm glad I was wrong. Um, you know, that, that's, that's one of the best things that I was, you know, that was the best prediction I was wrong on all season. The guy definitely uh, looks more comfortable. This is the first game that he has looked comfortable away from home. And so, you know, great time to do it. Um, he didn't look comfortable when he started his season in, in, in Atlanta, but he sure looked comfortable when he, when he played his second game in the Georgia Dome in, uh, in this football season. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like the way that, uh, you know, the, the next sort of the next thing that jumped out to me was was Amara Cooper, you know, 12 catches, 83 yards. I, I think the the juxtaposition, what we've saw from Amari last week uh, to what we saw from him this week, I think really just shows the, the complete uh, capability that he has. He was really a possession receiver this game. He had 12 catches, which is a dynamic number. But he only he only had 83 yards, just right at just under seven yards a, a clip. He was he was a move the change receiver. There was nothing, you know. He 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 made some moves in phone booths, got away from a couple of tackles, but there was nothing sort of take the take the lid off the defense dynamic that we saw from this very same wide receiver just last week uh, against Auburn. I think you take those two together, and you really can see what kind of talent. Uh, Amari Cooper is. Uh, I think he's been sort of a safety blanket for Sims all season, which is certainly fair. But, uh, you know, hats off to Amari. He had another phenomenal day. No, he did. Um, You know, looking back at his 12 catches, four of his catches were uh, for first downs. You know, the the biggest thing that that jumped out to me was one play where, like you said, he he was about to get rocked by a defensive lineman. And um, it was actually uh, Harold Brantley, the the nose guard, and the nose guard had him teed up uh, across the middle to come and lay into him after the first two guys missed. And he had the presence to to look up, see the guy coming, and just quickly spin. Where all the guy did was just kind of graze his shoulder. Yes. And the, and, and the nose tackle got up and he was pumping his fist like he could done had hey, done all this. And it was like, dude, you hadn't done anything. You could have, you could have knocked him out of the game, but not with this player. No, and I'm so glad that that you called that out because when we talk about all of the, and and we've sort of microcosmed his play before, and so this is another opportunity to do that. And it was a short, it was a short play. It wasn't stretch the field. It wasn't a touchdown. It wasn't any of that. But he, he you know, he caught the ball in traffic, which by itself is a talent. Uh, you know, you got to have some moxie to catch the ball in traffic and he does make a couple of guys miss so there's your elusiveness and he recognizes you know the gig is up i need to go down and i'm not going to get my, i'm not going to allow myself to be trucked by you know this 300 pound uh nose guard and he just does a just a very subtle a very simple uh almost a spin move and he spins into almost a self tackle and you know, kind of the shoulder that he's taken away is what the the nose guard uh, grazes. And we were watching it in real time. It looked like he got trucked. And I was like, that's Omari Cooper getting, you know, getting hit like that. Let's look at this again. And they showed it on replay and the commentators didn't mention anything about it. I went back and rewound it a couple times and I said, you know, that is one of the more athletic plays you're going to see on a football field and, you know, it didn't go for a big hoorah uh, kind of play. And so no one's going to say anything about it. But that was just, I thought, just a phenomenal play, just a, of, of self-preservation. Well, it reminds me of the play on the, on the sideline uh, a couple weeks ago. I can't remember if it was LSU or Mississippi State where you called it an NFL caliber play. Yes, yes. This is also an NFL caliber play. This is why this kid's going to play for a long time. If he doesn't have some bizarre injury, he'll play for a long time in the NFL because of having the presence of mind of doing something like that. Yep. 
Hey, I want to go back to Blake Sims real quick because yeah. I do think he had a phenomenal game. You know, uh, one of my buddies who uh, used to play quarterback, you know, pointed out to me during the game via text that, you know, he was 23 of 27, uh, which actually broke a record uh, yep. for completion percentage, which is which is awesome. But the biggest thing that you pointed out was it wasn't just dink and dunk, okay? And so there's a couple things. There, there's one play specifically that I want to talk about. There was a third and 10 play in the third quarter, third and 10, and it was obviously going to go to Amari Cooper at the line of scrimmage, one of those dink and dunks that Lane Kiffin loves that, that I can't stand. And Amari Cooper was not open. Yep. And he, and he sat there and checked and looked to his second option. He found DeAndre White. He hits DeAndre White with some yak. It's a 32-yard play, first down. And, and I sat there and told my wife in the Georgia Dome, I said he couldn't have done that at the beginning of the season. It wasn't in between the hashes exactly, but it was still across the middle of the field, okay, yep. which is where he's getting more comfortable, and he could not have made that play at the beginning of the season. And, and, and to do that, to make a first down, um, there was another play that it was third and three or third and four, and and I thought Lane Kiffin called a great play here. He 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 went empty, and he called a a quarterback draw and let Blake just pick a hole to get a first down on like third and four, third and five. You know, Blake just you can tell this is a fifth year senior who understands the offense. So when so when the guys you know write in and say, oh Tom, you were against him at the beginning. No, I just didn't think that he was going to be able to have the composure that he has had because he had not shown that composure. But what this kid has shown me is two things. Number one, he understands the offense. Yep. He has worked his ass off in the film room, okay? And he has spent a lot of time in Lane Kiffin's back pocket. And I think yes. all three of those things have helped tremendously. Oh, without question. Without question. He's, he's you know, the, the greatest praise that I can, and it, and it, you know, it doesn't sound like praise maybe, but the greatest praise that I can give a player, especially, you know, a quarterback, is I wish they were coming back. And, and that's, you know, it's, I guess that's a, a certain kind of praise, but I wish that he were coming back and, and that we could continue to see him, you know, develop and evolve over this. And so, you know, in the meantime, we'll just enjoy the, that we have him at least one more game, hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, two more games. Um, you know, we're going back to, to Blake and, and I want to talk about, uh, another play to, uh, uh, D'Andrew and that's the, uh, that's the touchdown. And, you know, this is another one of those plays and it's getting a lot of play because it's, it's really, and, and, in, and in fact, it's the exact same play that Amari scored the 75 yard touchdown. Uh, looks like he's running, uh, a corner and he adjusts to a post. And so that move sort of buys some separation from, uh, from the cornerback. And, you know, just like last week, you know, Kiffin called the touchdown before the, uh, Amari made the move and before uh, Sims got rid of the ball. Uh, you know, you've probably seen, you know, he called the touchdown again this week, right at about the same time he saw that DeAndre was going to uh, was going to beat his man uh, back to the inside, have some open. And and so it was before Blake uh, threw the ball. But Blake and, and I and I want to emphasize this because I think it was a little bit of a pivot point in the Missouri uh, defensive strategy, but it's something that kind of you've been calling for all season. I want to see him release the ball down the field, tight window, 
while he's got a defender in his face. And I don't know that you could you could script or design the the photocopy image of that request any better than that play. And it went for a touchdown to Jan, uh, uh, DeAndro, and uh, you know it was a targeting, and so the defender was kind of uh, thrown out from the game. And so I think that had some impact on uh, their rotation from there. Uh, I just want to see what kind of comment or thought you have on that on that play. No, I mean he he had to let the he had to let the ball go right before uh, before DeAndre was open right before before he had gotten to his window and so I do agree with you that that is a play that that I've been looking for. I will also tell you that just like Amari's touchdown, what is so huge about that play is how Lane Kiffin sets it up. Is how Lane Kiffin sets it up with the with the action. And so what, what, what I think gets lost, uh, Gary Danielson touched on it a little bit, but when you look at that first and 10 play, we've been calling for a shot right from the 30 or 40. Well, they were at the 42-yard line of Alabama. And so what Blake has done uh, is, is he has shown an arm strength with the long ball. Um, I think his arm strength has gotten stronger as the season has gone on. Do you remember at the beginning of the season in the West Virginia game, when it looked like he was throwing his whole body to, to throw that ball down the field, when he was throwing that ball down the field to DeAndre White at the goal line. I mean, it looked like he was laboring to throw a ball long at the beginning of the season. And he sets up the play action. And by the way, let's, let's nerd out again. It was under center, guys. So once again, right, I, I didn't count them this time, but here we are again. We had two touchdowns in the Auburn game under center, and now we have a touchdown in the Missouri game with, with him under center. Yep. So we set up the play action with Jostin Fowler in the I formation, which I love. And then the biggest thing for me is that they took Amari Cooper and they dragged him across from the left. And when they dragged him across from the left, he took three guys with him. And what is really so awesome to me is Amari Cooper is not a selfish player. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. He could have said, hey, that's my play. That's my play. And so when they sat there and designed Amari Cooper to drag across, when I, when I was at the Georgia Dome, this was on the other side of me, before DeAndre made his cut to the post, okay, I held my hands up and pretended I was Lane Kiffin. <laughs> I, I, I was on the first row of the club level, and I stood up, all Alabama section, and I raised my hands before he made that last cut. Nice. Because I could see, I wasn't trying to be Lane Kiffin. Trust me, I don't want to be. But I was like, this is going. He's going to score. My only concern was, can he get to the ball with his hamstring? My yeah. only concern was, could he get to the ball? And, and he literally almost did not. But yes, David, that was, that was a great play call. Well, and, you know, DeAndre looked about as healthy as he has all season. And so, uh, you know, we just seemed on all levels to be clicking and, you know, Vogler played uh, a significant portion of the game and, and he's been sort of gimping around. And so uh, that's not to say that, you know, we still had some guys out that uh, we didn't see due to injury. But, you know, to be this late in the season and as many guys as we've had sort of dinged up and, and injured and such, we played about as healthy as we have in a couple of weeks. Oh, sure. And, and let me also say, because I don't love all the dink and dunks. And I have said in earlier shows that I'd like to get some other guys involved, right? I don't need Amari Cooper to catch 10 or 12 balls. Well, he did catch 12, which is a little more than I would have liked. But I do want to give a little 
uh, kudos to Blake got some other guys involved, right? How many times has Blake Sims thrown the ball 10 times to Amari Cooper and we've struggled to find somebody else on the roster with one catch? I was so thrilled at the game when, when White and Chris John Jones got a touchdown. I was yes. so happy for those two cats, those two fifth-year seniors. That was awesome. So, I, so it wasn't quite the, dis, the, the distribution that I would like, but seeing, seeing White with four catches and Jones with three and O.J. Howard with two was pretty nice. Yeah, I think that is nice. I think, I think one thing, and, and you know, I want to get this, this out here and, and kind of get your thoughts uh, on, on this as well. I think, I think that, and we could call it short passing, we can call it dink and dunk, we can, you know, we can call it a couple of different things. What I call it is good game planning. Uh, we were going against the team that leads the SEC in uh, pressure, in quarterback sacks, uh, one of the better defensive fronts that we've seen all season. And so we knew that we wanted to distribute the ball still in the passing game. Now, we ran the ball a lot, and we can talk about that. But we knew that we wanted to distribute the ball in the, in the passing game. And so you know that they're going to be coming off their, their blocks. They're going to be looking to get pressure on Sims and sort of what do we do? We kind of rein it in and we throw over the rushers uh, a short passing game. And so I think some of that's good strategy. Well, and and maybe when I want the screen, right, maybe this is the next best thing to the screen because the screen action involves your offensive line to be more mobile. They are banged up. They've got bum knees. It also takes a chance that you're going to have an ineligible uh, lineman downfield. And if you've got the talented receivers who can catch in space five or six yards off the ball, that's kind of like you're throwing a screen. Right. Hey, one other quick thing I want to point out, um, and I can't remember where it was in the game. It was like three minutes left in the second quarter, I think. But there was this one run by TJ Yeldon that I, I know we've talked about how great this cat is. But, I mean, guys – I know Eddie Lacy's tearing it up for Green Bay and Mark Ingram's shining and, and and we've had some great guys, you know, come before him. But there was one play where it was about midfield and he went up he went up the gut and he literally Ryan Kelly stepped back. Ryan Kelly was being manhandled to the left. The play was going to the left. T.J. Yeldon gets his foot stepped on by Ryan Kelly. Yep. Most guys would have fallen on the ground. He's still looking up for his hole. He has the composure to put his hand down while still looking forward to maintain his balance. He pops up, and then he cuts behind Ari's block, 180-degree angle, and bounces it outside for like 15 yards. And I was like, oh, my freaking gosh. There is, I don't know if Mark Ingram or Trent Richardson or Eddie Lacy could have any one of those done that move with that center of gravity and that balance and just, just, just wow. Yeah. His, his lateral movement is, is amongst the best that, that I have seen. He's, he's an impressive back and, you know, talking about the running game, you know, for all, uh, you know, we've kind of been lamenting uh, Henry a little bit. Uh, I thought he ran about as well as he has all season. And uh, I think our our last scoring drive, our second uh, to last possession of the game, uh, was a five uh, a five play drive, uh, and we just fed the ball to Henry. 
uh, the whole uh, each of the five plays. I think he had a 45 yard run. The drive as a whole went for uh, yeah 62 yard drive. He had a 45 yarder. But he was every just play was Derrick Henry. Yeah, every yeah. all five plays was Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, he was just chunking it off. He had a, he had a seven. He had a four. He had a five. Uh, and then he bur- he busted a 45. And then you know we gave him the the one yard the the touchdown there. But uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty impressive to uh, the fact that you know there at the at the end of the game, let's get another touchdown. Definitely put it out of reach. Kind of was already, but uh, let's burn the clock and. It's another one of those situations. Let's run the ball, burn the clock. Oh, we're going to bust a 45-yard run. So. Well, you're, you're exactly correct. And this is what we haven't done all season, okay? Right. So let's, let's bore the listeners for a second. This is Nick Saban, take the air out of the ball. And, and this is what we haven't done all year where we just take their will, we put their foot on their throat, right, and we just call it day, game over. And, and before Derrick Henry busted his 45-yard run, okay, and my wife is my witness, so when you call BS on this, you know, she can vouch for me. I sat there when he was running for four yards and five yards, and, and I told the fans around me, I was like, Nick Saban doesn't want another touchdown. I said, Nick Saban has too much respect for that head coach. He'll be happy if the game ends with this current score. And so I stood up and I said, Derrick, run like you think it's Oklahoma. And the next thing you know, he busted his 45-yard run. I should have gone to Vegas after this ball game because the stars were freaking aligned. But I was like, run like you freaking did in the Sugar Bowl. Because I I told the people around me, I said, the only way we're scoring is if there's a long run, right? And it reminded us of the Michigan State Bowl game, right? Where Nick Saban got mad because we broke one up the gut for 50-yard touchdown. Yep, yep. No, I I agree. Anything else on offense kind of jump out at you? You know, just um, just the courageous play of Austin Shepard uh, and Cam Robinson. It probably didn't hurt Cam Robinson's feelings very much that that Shane Ray got got taken out of the game. Uh, I will say to to Missouri's coaching staff's credit, they they said after the game that the coaches up in the box uh, said it was the right call. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the advantage of the TV, you know, at the game until later to look at it, but. Dude set up from three or four yards out. Yeah, he didn't even put his hands out like he was trying to grab anything. Yeah, he, because he, at, at the at the game, Dave, I was like, man, that I mean, this is football, man. Let them play football because my angle at, at the stadium wasn't as good as it was at home. But looking at it at home, what what was the dude thinking? Well, the way that you know, and that used to be football, and and I I respect and I understand that you know, hey, football can still be a very physical game but we can take out some of the unnecessary brutality. And that is an opportunity, you know, it's textbook in my mind of where you can take out the unnecessary brutality because he could have pulled up, he could have sidestepped, he could have, you know, bear hugged, he could have done, uh, he may not have dissipated all of his momentum, but he could have redirected it. He could have softened that blow, and instead, it looked like he put his head down and uh, with with the intent to. Uh, and look, I get it. You know, you want to take down a quarterback. You want to you want to inflict uh, a, a little bit of pain, but you do it in the context of the play. And you know, the way it's defined now, that was outside of the context of the play. And so I, you know, unfortunate for him, I don't want to see guys get kicked out, but, and you know, because that happened in the third quarter, he's going to be out for the first half of their bowl game. 
So I, you know, I wouldn't wish that on, on an opponent, but you know, it's the kind of thing he kind of brought upon himself as well. Oh, he didn't try to pull off at all. There, right. there, were, there, were, there was no pulling off at all. Yeah. Um, anything else on offense for you? There was one play that we ran. Uh, I think we ran it three times. We tried it to both sides. Uh, the most successful time we ran it was the first play of our second possession. It went for 14 yards, but we had an illegal procedure uh, for motion. And as much as I hate running Amari on end rounds, we had a very unique design for an end around that 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 I oh, with Fowler with Fowler with, with yep. Fowler and Henry Fowler, Fowler in motion and yep. Henry and so yep. they lined up on an offset eye and they and then and then so they became the lead blockers and uh, and and then you know then we ran uh, Amari around behind it. I still don't like running Amari, but if we're going to do it, I like him having some beef out there as as lead blockers. I'd still rather it be. More of a, a, a jitterbug type uh, runner like a Christian, uh, a little lower to the ground. But I like the design of that play. And we ran it three times. The most successful time, like I said, was uh, was was when it was pulled callback for uh, penalty. But uh, I like the design of the play. Oh, absolutely. And 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 I think I think that speaks to uh, Brian Vogler being hurt, uh, OJ Howard not yep. getting it done out there. Yep. I also think it speaks to all you've seen on tape is Chris John Jones and DeAndre White blocking, yep. and so it gives you a different look. Yep. And yep. so uh, I thought I thought having I thought dragging Fowler uh, in motion behind the line and then him going out there to do that was was awesome. Yep. Yep. Who, get, who gets your mini game ball? Well, you know, and you know, I don't know what you're going to do uh, mini game ball, but. Uh, you know, I think that uh, my mini game ball goes to, and I'm kind of torn if I want to give it to Austin Shepard or I want to give it to Cam Robinson. You know, both of them played uh, with injury. You know, Cam had a shoulder injury. Uh, the, the TV, they said it was ankle, but it was ankle a couple of weeks ago. It was shoulder last week. Uh, he came out and, and played through that, played well. Uh, at one point, it looked like uh, Austin Shepard, uh, and in fact, he did go down. It looked like he was going to be out. And I just remember in the moment thinking, hey, I like Grant Hill. If he comes in, he he'll, will still be able to move the ball, and hopefully Shepard will be all right for the ball game. That's literally the thought process I had in there. And then, But Shepard stayed in the game. And it was like three plays later, uh, I think we were lining up to, to kick a, a, a PAT. And, uh, you know, Vern you know, Lundquist, says, Lundquist says, you know, uh, Shepard back in the game. And I was thinking, man, they pay you guys a lot of money, and they and you have spotters not to have recognized that he never left. And uh, so yeah, I'm hoping I pick one and you pick the other, but they both deserve many game balls. No, absolutely. I think Cam's load got uh, lightened a little bit, right, when, sure. when Ray got knocked out of the game. But I'm, I'm not going to pick them. I'm going to let That's you fair. just uh, – I'm going to let you share them. I'm going to uh, break the rules of the mini game ball, and I don't really care because it's like a SEC championship game. And and I'm going to give it to White and Jones, okay. um, who are not mini game ball uh, qualifiers. But these are guys that have, have, have really just persevered through injuries. They have done a lot for this program. And um, I'm really just happy that those two together in one football game uh, did what I was hoping to see in numerous games this year. Yep. Yep. I, I'm with you on that. Let's flip the field. Uh, let's flip the field and go to go to defense. What uh, what jumped out at you on defense? 
those stupid Hail Mary passes. Yes. And so I've got one, uh, I got one, uh, slow mode right now. So I'm going to bore the listeners with this one. So I don't know which one this was, but this was third and four, 10 minutes left in the second quarter. They're at the 48 yard line. We got a four man front. We blitz Raglan and Trey DePriest. We got three guys, uh, two guys for them to block three guys off the edge. And he just floats back and throws up a prayer. And I'm not picking on Geno here, okay? I'm picking on whichever cornerback was on that play, okay? Because mm-hmm. he wasn't the only one that did this. And when you go back and look at this play, Landon Collins recovered from 10 yards away. <clears throat> Landon Collins tried to get over in center field as quickly as he could. But the guy pushed off on Geno. He did as Michael Irvin. He didn't get called. But when I went back, and I've watched this about four times now in the past minute, Geno Smith no more had any idea where the ball was, where it was coming down, than a man in the moon. The Missouri guy was looking to the ball. Geno was getting pushed off, and he still was just flailing his arms, and he wasn't turning his head. And Nick Saban says we teach him to look back to the ball. Well, you know what? You need to teach him harder because on all three Hail Marys, the cornerback – did not turn their freaking head. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing a good defense get made look bad on a couple plays. Yeah. And so I, I've got all kinds of notes, you know, that we can spend on on breaking this down. You know, Jimmy Hunt, uh, we didn't play the Missouri Tigers. We played the Jimmy Hunt Tigers on Saturday. Jimmy had six passes that went for 142 yards. Three of them went for 27 yards. Three of them went for 142 yards. He had a 32-yard reception. And again, all of these are on like third and tens or third and threes. He had six catches. Five went for first downs. He had a seventh catch that went for 12 yards, would have been a first down. It was called back for penalties. So that's we're talking about how productive this guy was they scored 13 points. His first catch was for 32 yards, led to a field goal. His second catch went 63 yards, led to a touchdown. He didn't score any points, but every point they scored was set up the next play or two plays away from his big uh, his big catch. And uh, he had a 47-yarder that led to their last field goal. So he had a 32, a 63, and a 47. He had a big day. None of those were... Now, the three that he had for 27, those were all sort of routes, running just routes, you know, run, you know, third and eight, you know, run a nine-yard route, that kind of, uh, you know, kind of curl a hitch in or whatever it is. These, the three bigs were busted coverages because we scrambled the quarterback out of the pocket, and it was really just a a prayer that uh, Matty Mock threw up and that, that Jimmy Hunt stayed with the play and made a good play. One, there was a push-off. I definitely agree uh, with that. But, you know, in that situation, do it. What's it, you know, what's the worst they're going to do? Now, I'll say this. For our, you know, if our if a team's offensive strategy is to sort of Johnny, Johnny Manziel it and run around in just a wing and a prayer and hope that uh, that you can connect, that you're not going to make a living doing that. But you can make some big plays, and, uh, and and Missouri certainly certainly did do that. I broke down the seven passes 
that they threw to hunt. And and I'm looking at the this play sheet, not uh, not going back and looking at all the film. And so they're going to list who made the tackle, which isn't always who was the primary in coverage. But three of them, Gino uh, either made the tackle or uh, was was certainly there. Two were Landon Collins, and two were were Jabril Washington. And so what that tells me, where it was Collins twice and it was Jabril twice. You know, Collins a free safety and Jabril a, a dime. They're they're effectively playing safety help for a corner. Yeah, they're trying to help you. Yes, and so kind of here's here's the last point, and it pains me to say this because Gino has kind of been my guy, but we saw it last week against Auburn, and we're seeing it. You know, I saw it this week against uh, Missouri. Teams apparently want to get him matched up, not in a zone, but one on one on the slot. And if they can run the slot on a nine route down the field, and especially on a busted play where the receiver just can run anywhere, then that's that's where Geno is getting. And a lot of DBs are going to struggle in that. That's where Geno has struggled, and he was beat pretty bad against Auburn last week. And you know his man Jimmy Hunt in the slot, you know, had a field day Saturday. And so I hate to say that about Geno because he's my guy. He's no less my guy, but. He he was uh, man. I hate that we use. I hate to use the word liability, but he was a liability in 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 those coverage uh, situations on Saturday. Oh sure, and and during the game, I was sitting there calling. You know, for Missouri, I was like, "Why don't you keep throwing hail marys?" I mean, dude, they they, they completed the four that they threw. I would have I would have attempted fourteen. I, I mean. If you can't beat, if you can't stop it, keep doing it. And and so I was surprised they didn't go to that well more often. The other thing that blew my mind is when Jimmy Hunt made those plays to get them down there, guess who did not get the ball thrown to him on any of the next three or four plays where they where the drive stopped and they had to settle for a field goal? Oh, they never went they didn't go back. They didn't go back to him. Why? I would go right back to that well. And I'll tell you something else. I looked with my binoculars and looked for Jarek Williams before the game started. And and the boy did not look hurt, but he def, he was standing right by Denzel Duvall. He did not look his body language like he had any expectation of playing. Right. right. I cannot remember when he came in the game, but he came in for about two or three plays. Yep. And he quickly was ushered right back out, and Gino came right back in. And 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 actually, he came in when Gino got a little dinged. Gino went out, got got a little knocked around, and uh, and so Jarrett came in. And my thought was, he's been standing cold on the sideline for for three quarters. And I, I'm going back to the slot on the fresh guy. And oh, by the way. He is sort of the in the box safety as opposed to the down the field safety, and so my thought is I would I would have gone right back to uh, attacking the slot. And again, I'm not mad at Jarek because we've you know we've said very nice things about Jarek, and I don't take any of that away. I'm just thinking if I'm game planning against us, who's the new guy? Let's run him down the field after he's been standing on the sideline for three you know a couple hours now, uh, and and they didn't seem to they didn't seem to take us up on that. No, and. It, it does speak a little bit to, I think Jarek Williams' play when he's been in there this season has warranted more playtime. 
And so with Geno struggling like he has been, I'm a little surprised that Jarek didn't get more run in this game. It also speaks to where they think they are, right, at that star position. And so we said a couple shows ago about Nick Saban priding himself on having three shutdown corners, right, and having that guy in the slot who can really shut things down. Well, one of the AL.com writers, the one thing I got to read, said that, you know, giving up plays of 10 yards and greater, this defense ranks 41st this year, 41st. And it said the previous four seasons, I think it was like number one, number one, number two, and number three. So this defense has been in the top three of not giving up big plays four years in a row, and this year they're ranked 41st. Yeah. And and we just don't have three starting corners like Nick Saban has blessed with having all of his other seasons. Yeah, that's fair. You know, a little bit, and that's a that's a precipitous job. I I, de- I definitely do agree with that. There's a little bit lost in the numbers there because teams are running a little more hurry up. There's a lot more plays that we're seeing run against us, and we've talked about play counts a, a little bit in the past. The play count this season, the demands that have been placed on our defense this season, are just off the charts. I've never seen anything like it. And and so that's going to lead to uh, some some more opportunities for big plays and more big plays to drop all the way into the 40s. What I'm saying does not explain that. It explains some of it, but not that far. So yeah, I'm not I'm not taking away from your point that that we're not getting that third corner play. And you know, compared to last season, I guess we're lucky to get the two corner play because uh, we kind of struggled with that last season, early this season, we're getting pretty steady two-corner play. Auburn game was an anomaly, I guess, but um, inconsistent at the third corner. And again, you know, as much as it pains me to say, uh, I kind of look at Gino on that one, especially in this game. Hey, no, absolutely. Um, Anything else on defense for you? Well, you know, you got to go Sean Robinson. He may have had uh, certainly his best game this season, uh, maybe his best game in, a, in his career. Certainly a high in tackles of nine, three for losses. He just seems so into the game. I mean, he, he made a big play and did sort of the Superman thing. And I don't like sort of doing that. Some players do it all the time and, you know, kind of loses his thing. But, man, he just – it seemed authentic when he did it. And he was just, you know, he's played well. All season played well last year. He's one of those guys. Let's enjoy him while we got him because he's on a countdown of how many games we've got him left. Because uh, he's going pro after next season. But uh, I like me some Ashawn. Oh sure, he's he's definitely a little healthier than he has been uh, yes. for the past few weeks. Yes. Um. One other thing I'll mention very quickly is um Eddie Jackson seemed to play. He seemed to bounce back pretty pretty well from Auburn, but he still had a couple lapses as well. You know, I'll just say real quick, this is why, you know, you and I said a few weeks ago that we didn't want to see TCU, right? And we definitely didn't want to see TCU and Oregon. This is why, plain and simple. We don't match up against these kind of offenses. No, no, no. One thing I want to call out, and uh, this is more, you know, we talk about it while we're on defense because it's, it's really an offensive play for Missouri. It was the touchdown that they scored. Uh, they had a fourth and one. We were putting on a, a goal line stand. Uh, it was fourth and one, and they ran a pick play. And very simple pick play. Very simple pick play. 
Uh, I've seen a couple articles, people sort you know, kind of lamenting it. Uh, the announcers talked about it, and uh, and for my money, I say, you know what, that in in sort of in almost in a microcosm, that may change. That play may change how some teams approach playing on the goal line in that type of situation. When you're faced with a fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and five, whatever you know, whatever it is in, in that kind of situation, and you're and you're faced with the decision of do I kick a field goal or do I go for the touchdown? Insert option one point five. Do I run a pick play? Because if if they don't call it, I will get a touchdown. If they call it, then I'll just kick the ball. So why yeah. would you not? I get a free play. You're at a fourth and fourth and sort of inside kicker range. Why not try it? Why not do a pick play? Especially if you're inside the ten, right? Because once they back you up, you're still in a in a chip it's shot still a field makeable goal. kick. Yeah. I th- yeah. I thought it and I, I saw it and I was like, well, damn it! I wish our defense had had you know. And so there was that disappointment. And then the announcers are like, oh, pick play, da 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 da, and they you know, oh, are they going to call it? Oh, they're not going to call it. And I just sat there and I just. I was like, well, damn, if that's not the most genius thing, I would run a pick play every darn time. Every fourth and three yeah, and, or fourth and goal of, line. And take, yep. that, take that concept, you know, it's fourth and three, middle of the field. Do I punt it here? No, run a pick play. And then punt it. And then punt it. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good call. I would. Now, that if you do that, that lasts like, oh, like a quarter maybe a week because then then sort of the gig is up. Okay, they're just going to run a pick play on fourth down. <laughs> right. We we got it. We got to start converting on third down cuz the gig's up. <laughs> right. But man, talk about talk about leaving an ace up your sleeve. I would absolutely do that. And I would do that until they until you're going to consistently prove that you're going to call it and then guess what? I'm going to do it then cuz I'm only going to do it in times where when you plus the penalty, I'm still going to get the kick. Well, hey, is uh, is Ashawn Robinson going to get your game ball, or are you going to give it to somebody else? I, I'm kind of pausing. I don't know. I don't know who. I normally have a guy sort of circled or, or sort of predefined. You I've can't not gone in secondary. I've not. What's that? Can't give it to the give it to the cornerbacks. Well, this is kind of where I'm torn. There's a part of me that wants to give it to Cyrus because. You know, he played like he just shut down half the field. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think I think I think Ashawn's appropriate. And like I said, that's sort of a an oversized uh, mini game ball. I thought there were there were a number of good performances uh, on the defense. I think a lot of guys uh, could have gotten the mini game ball. But uh, yeah, I'll go Ashawn. And and you're and you're trying to rush me through that because you have someone in mind, I'm sure. Um, absolutely, man. My, mine's going to be Xavier Dixon. Okay. Because uh, because he's my boy, uh, he had some good pressures on the day. He had uh, four quarterback hurries, so he didn't get credited. Um, he didn't get credited on the sack sheet, but he had four quarterback pressures in the game, which is huge. I just continue to like what he's doing without Denzel Duvall being able to contribute, and uh, so I uh, just wanted to shout out for him. No, I think that's uh, I think that's cool. Talk to me about uh, – let's flip to uh, special teams. What jumped out at you on special teams? Well, the, the gig is up, man. The, the nation knows about J.K. Scott. I mean, can you, can you go pro after your freshman season <laughs> as punter? 
Thankfully, and is that no. is that possible? <laughs> Thankfully, no. I mean, that would really piss you off. You know, just um, I just I just love all the uh, you know, he only got three attempts and uh, he had a paltry forty three yards, so he needs to go back and do some some work in practice this week. But uh, but two of those he you know it's kind of funny he only had three punts on the day, but two of those he drops inside the twenty and and one's you know one's a fifty plus yarder, and uh, so I was glad he didn't get a lot of work. You know, I, I guess I'll talk a little bit about Adam Griffith. Well, hey, um, hey, I want to I want to pause you on on Scott. Okay. You know, he had three for a forty three yard average, but that average was being pulled down by the thirty three yard kick that he had, which oh by the way was a bad snap that he cool as a cucumber just picked right up and punted down the field. He didn't get sort of nervous or he didn't get the willies and and get it get it blocked and he's got a long leg and a big wind up. I mean, you know, he's going to be a little bit easier to block than than uh than some punters and he just maintained his cool and composure and uh you know, 33 yarders th- 33 yarder is not you know, a world beater or anything, but you know, compared to a a, a potential, you know, catastrophic type situation he definitely uh, booted the ball out of the way, and uh, it was one of those situations where Saban definitely sought him out to say, nice job. Oh, absolutely. I was surprised he did that. I actually thought that he would not have the composure. He, he hasn't been in that situation this season, but I didn't think he would have the composure to get one away, and uh, that could have been a big spark, right? Missouri came into this game, I think, second in the SEC with plus nine takeaways. So, um that uh, that definitely could have you know given them a little momentum. What else? What else jumped out at you on on special teams, good or bad? Well, you know, we uh, I guess for the health of Adam Griffith, you know, we left him in there. He did uh, most of the kickoff duties. Uh, he had he he kicked uh, all of the PATs. He did miss a field goal, and so uh, I hate to see that. But uh, he, he seems to be over his back issues because we didn't have. Uh, Rayborn in there. We didn't have JK, you know, sort of backing up some of those duties. I guess technically they were still backing it up, but they didn't execute any of those duties. Uh, so it looks like uh, a healthy uh, report for Griffith based on the amount of play that he got. Well, that kick where I was, where I was at about the 30 yard line, it was hard to immediately see that, that uh, on the opposite side that 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 kick was was uh, placed as badly as it was yeah. when when I when I got to see it uh, on the uh, on the replay, you know, the I went back just to just to find out that that field goal attempt. Well, what was going on there from your view? It looked like he just really really hit it really bad. I mean, that's his first one in a while, but you know, it it definitely I think changed our play calling um, around the 30 40 yard line in the rest of the game. Yeah. I- you know, there was nothing that uh, that I saw that jumped out at me. Uh, it just seemed like, you know, I think you call it. It, it just seemed to he just seemed to get bad, you know, bad foot on it, right? He just um, didn't connect uh, real cleanly. Didn't connect as well. You know, pulled it. You know, not a good kick. Well, do you do you think it changed our play calling later in the game? Because you know he was at the twenty six yard line when he when he missed that one. Do you think it changed? It, it seemed to we seemed to become a little more aggressive around that yardstick for the rest of the game. Yeah, I think I, I think that. And what's funny is we've talked about this for you know enough years now 
that, you know, we almost know what the answer is because we can almost anticipate the level of frustration that the coaches have because this has cost us games. And, uh, and, and I can see where a coach, our coaches are going to say, I'm not doing this again. I'm not going down this road again. I know where this road can lead. Now he could go out there and hit the next six of them. You don't know that he's going to miss them, but I have lost games doing this before. I'm not going to lose games doing this again. We're going to be a little more aggressive. And if we have to kick it, we'll still kick it. It'll be a little bit longer, but I, I'm not going to lose not being aggressive. Well, it definitely makes you wonder what you'll see in the next ball game. That, yes. That's for sure. Yes, absolutely. Anything else on special teams? Well, I tell you what stands out to me, and this is two weeks in a row, and I meant to call it out last week and didn't. Unless you saw something in, in live, I was watching it on TV, uh, I did not see Reuben Foster on uh, the coverage units. And like I said, you were there. Uh, sometimes you can see a little bit better, at least the personnel. I did not see him on coverage teams. I know that we did not see him last week uh, against Auburn. I, I, you know, I've not read or seen anything about it other than just he seems to, uh, you know, the injuries. And we've talked about that. Uh, maybe you saw something different or saw him on the sideline. Well, no, he, he definitely was not in the game. Uh, he was uh, he was dressed out on the sideline. You know, he wasn't on the participation report. It makes me think those are just – that's one of those, you know, non-disclosure injuries of Saban's where he's just not going to let anything get out there because you would think, right, if he could have played, we'd have seen him in the Auburn game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, because that's sort of a – there's an, an emotional attachment there that, that he has. I mean, hell, he's got it tattooed on his arm. Um, I, You know, I don't know that Saban has to say anything. I think it's, it's sort of – you know, it's literally neck and above uh, the injuries that, that he has. I think it's, you know, he's probably sprained his neck, probably has a, you know, maybe maybe a concussion. I don't know these things. I just, I just the way he wobbled off the field, you know, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, the, 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 the TV crew, uh, I watched this one, uh, I guess this was Western Carolina. The, uh, the SEC network sort of put a camera on him because they, they said, this guy's blowing up people on special teams. Let's put a camera on him on a kick. And sure enough, they showed him go, uh, run down the field, blow somebody up, and then get up sort of wobbly. I have not seen him on the field since he got up wobbly. And it's interesting, you know, there it was. They put a camera on him, and no one talked about him getting, you know, you know wobbled. But, uh, yeah, I've not seen him since they highlighted him. No, no, you're right. And you had, you had called that at the time, so – I do know he had provide, you know, he had provided a spark, sure, um, with some of his plays, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll see him, uh, you know, crack some heads, uh, you know, by January first. Sure, sure. Well, Tommy, what uh, you know, we do have an upcoming opponent. Uh, we've got a little bit of time before uh, the the playoffs, but uh, uh, this is it. This is this is sort of the moment that uh, that we get to exhale. Uh, there's a part of there's a part of me, and I know you share this. You know, there's been years past. Thankfully, there's been years past where we would sit here right now, knowing that we are in the national championship game. Well, we sit here right now, knowing that we're in the first round of the playoffs, which is, you know, I'd rather be in it than not in it. But damn, I just wish. Why don't we just cut to the championship game like a, a couple of years ago? Because they uh, they needed more money. <laughs> 
And uh, I thought it was hilarious that um, instead of putting Florida State at four to make it like a regional matchup, right, they, they decided to stick Florida State over there in the Rose Bowl and, and bring Ohio State over here because they know Ohio State fans are going to travel. Yep. So we might as well get them to come across the country and spend a little money. No, um, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised that that TCU got screwed. You know, sorry TCU, I don't know anybody there, so you know, sorry it didn't work out. But you know, Ohio State, you know, are you kidding me? A third string quarterback, and they rip into Wisconsin the way they yeah. did. Yeah. But I still will say that I will take Ohio State over TCU in that matchup. I will say that I am glad Florida State did get moved up to three because I'd rather Florida State play Oregon, right, and uh, go Seminoles, to be quite frank with you. I hope Florida State beats Oregon, and uh, I hope it's an Alabama-Florida State national championship because I think we match up better with them than anybody else. Yeah, Um, yeah, I don't, I don't dispute that. Uh, I don't dispute that a bit. I think that we, and and we should get together and do uh, sort of a pre game leading up uh, to the Ohio State game because I think, you know, I think that's a big enough event uh, that, it, and and we'll do, you know, pregame shows uh, at times. So I think that's that's an opportunity I, I think that we have before us. But uh, I think the Big Twelve, and you know, not to not to sort of give us out of out of sort of our range, but I think the Big Twelve as a conference sort of hosed over Baylor and TCU. Uh, they defied their own uh, tiebreaker criteria to present to the selection committee co-champions. Their own criteria calls for a tiebreaker. Number one tiebreaker is because everyone in their conference plays each other. So the number one tiebreaker is exactly what you think it would be head to head. And uh, they, they openly sort of defied their own criteria and they don't play a championship game. So when you take an Ohio State playing an extra game that's a championship game, and boy, they sure made Wisconsin look poor, but Wisconsin's a good team. And to come out and have that showing when, you know, the Baylors and the TCUs did not have, you know, sort of a like kind opportunity. And their own conference sort of saddled them with co co-champions uh, after after trademarking one true champion. That's what Big 12 trademarked one true champion because they were trying to pat themselves on the back for everyone in their conference playing each other, which is a way of just trying to, you know, make, you know, chicken salad out of chicken something else uh, because you you lost teams so that you couldn't you could no longer maintain your your uh, uh, your conference championship. You know, they lost Colorado and Nebraska, and so I had to give up on their championship game. So it's not like they think that they're smarter. They just can't get – they don't get to do what they want to do, and so they're trying to make it sound better. And what they really did is try to shoot themselves in the foot. And so that's a long way of me saying, uh-huh, uh, for the, to, the, uh, to the Big 12. But, uh, yeah, I think we need to come back and, and do some championship games prep. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to, to square off against Ohio State. Well, th- this is a team that, you know, didn't look that great against Navy. They didn't, they, you know, their, their one loss came against, you know, your, your not usual Virginia Tech team. So I, I, I wish they wouldn't have been in the playoffs for reasons we can talk about next time. Sure. But um, I, I definitely think that, uh, that we can handle business. Yeah. Hey, I want to do, do two more things. 
I want to uh, – the team just had their uh, – sort of their postseason sort of award banquet, and uh, the permanent team captains were announced. And so I just want to, you know, give a tip of the cap to uh, Amari Cooper, Landon Collins, Justin Fowler, and Blake Sims. I really wish there was a way to get uh, Austin Shepard in there as well. But, uh, you know, each of those guys, Cooper, Collins, Fowler, and Blake – you know, you and I could spend the next 45 minutes kind of talking about those guys and sort of their stories that that they've had through throughout their career. And we could probably sit here every season when the captains are announced and talked about talk about, you know, last year was, uh, uh, you know, uh, McCarron and and um, and Norwood and. And, uh, you know, the other guys that we could that we could, you know, pontificate about. But, you know, I don't know what is about this team that to me is just extra special. You know, we've been playing so well that the expectations have almost superseded what we're capable of. It's almost like this season the expectations were a little bit ratcheted back because we were replacing quarterbacks and and all of those things. And this feels like a season that we've sort of exceeded expectations. And that's a fun feeling that we've not had in a while. And so there's just something special about this team. I hope I live to be 90 years old and back on the capstone and and looking at these names etched in, etched in the sidewalk. Uh, I think this is there's something just a little extra super special uh, about this team, and you can hear it in the way Saban talks about this team. Oh, absolutely. I think there just was a good mix of fifth-year seniors and the makeup of their personalities with these with these sophomore and juniors. But Landon Collins and Amari Cooper, right, they're juniors. You know, I wish we'd see them back next year, but we know we're going to have to reload because we know we're not going to see them. Right. And um, for for those guys to assume some leadership roles and then the fifth-year seniors, who were not very vocal guys, right, they, they, they just did it on the field. The, the mix of these personalities, you know, has just worked really well for this team. We've had a stretch here where and it would be interesting to kind of go back and and kind of break down the rosters but you know in the 2000 you know 9 was it the 2009 championship you know we had some fifth year seniors Drew Davis is one that sort of jumps out at me we had some fifth year seniors on the roster almost by necessity then we had a we had almost a, a period of time I don't want to call it a, call it a lull because it was one of the sort of the golden eras of of Alabama football, but we had this period where Saban was recruiting just lights out to such a degree. We didn't have a lot of fifth year seniors. And so there's something about this team that we've got a lot of fifth year seniors, you know, Nick Perry, you know, is an example, uh, the type of guys that are just, you know, sort of almost coming through the woodwork and doing typically what fifth year seniors do. We just haven't needed them or you know maybe they haven't been as good I don't I don't know We haven't needed them to step up like this and to your and to your point I'm glad you just said that 10 of the 22 starters are fifth year seniors Yeah yeah and we can go back and do this research before the next show but we've not we probably have not had 10 fifth year seniors who have started in the top 22 or anywhere close to that number as long as Saban has been here Yeah Yeah and and so I, I that's interesting, right? There could be like a, a study on this team that's it's almost the old school way, right? Because you you have the the fifth year guys that have been around and sort of uh, coalesce together and become a championship caliber team, and sort of the whole is greater than the sum of the part. That you know all of sort of those those storylines. 
And you don't think of an Alabama team being the whole better than the parts because, damn, the parts are so good. But this is a team, and you gave the numbers, right? This is a team where with all the fifth-year seniors, yeah, this this team has come together in a very different way. And it's worth the tip of the cap. It's worth a minute to sort of celebrate that, yeah, it's a, it's another championship team. It's another team competing for the, the national title. But it's it's very different. It's constructed very, very different than even, you know, our very recent uh, championship teams. And that's exciting. No, absolutely. Anything else you want to cover tonight? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm full of stuff, right? I've got one more thing. Uh, we've got uh, a couple of five-star reviews on uh, iTunes, and so I want to hit these up uh, really quick. We've actually got three, so we appreciate uh, people hitting us up. Uh, this is long-distance uh, fan. This is Utah, Bama fan. Uh, I love these podcasts. They're great insight into the plays uh, plays and strategies. Cannot wait for each podcast to download uh, so I can find out uh, if I'm seeing everything that you guys are seeing. I'm a lonely fan out here in Utah, but uh, everyone around me knows that I'm a Bama fan. Thanks for all you do, Roll Todd, and uh, we definitely appreciate that. Man, it is cold and lonely up in Utah, but we appreciate you tuning in, uh, Bama fan. Uh, this is uh, great stuff from Jay Rogers, too. He kind of he kind of gets us. He kind of digs us on something. But uh, I like his uh, his comment here. He says these guys are into a level of detail beyond any other podcast that I can find related to Alabama football right there. That's awesome. We appreciate that. That's what we strive for. They do great work, too. It's no frills to the point analysis for the serious Alabama fan. Uh, Sometimes they can get a little bit negative for my taste. And one of their favorite expressions is kind of in air quotes is when we say no, absolutely, which that's funny because we do say that. Uh, all together, Just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, all together, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff, though, uh, that you won't find anywhere else. My biggest complaint is that it doesn't come out multiple times a week, and they kind of, ha-ha, uh, great job, keep it up. So we appreciate Jay Rogers, uh, uh, too. We appreciate uh, you keeping it real for us and uh, giving us some cool feedback. We uh, love that you love the show. And then uh, the last one, this is Lee Borden. Uh, look forward to it each week. And what he says here, he has a little feedback that's different than, than what we've gotten before. And uh, I find it compelling and interesting. He says, sometimes I listen to these guys and then watch the game again. They love Alabama fo- uh, football so much they're willing to ask tough questions about decisions our coaches have made. And they're truly knowledgeable about the game and about the team. Great job. I think that's awesome. I love the fact that he will listen to us, go back and watch the game, and he's leaving us a five-star review. So apparently our commentary is holding up to going back and watching in the game sort of through that sort of that reverse. Yeah, experience. absolutely. So that's pretty he's, exciting. He's testing us out, man. He that is, is testing awesome. us out. So Lee Borden out there, he is, he's holding our feet to the fire. Well, good job, Lee. Certainly Absolutely. do appreciate uh, that feedback. We love all of the feedback that uh, that we get. Uh, and so if you have a chance, go out there and hit us up on iTunes. Give us uh, a review. It helps our ratings. It helps people find us, and we certainly do uh, appreciate that. We'll try to give you a shout-out here as we can. Hit us up on our Facebook site. Hit us up on Bama Hammer, and uh, we'll engage with you in any way that we can. With that, stay tuned for upcoming shows as we get into the playoffs. But for now, this is another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. 
we encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.